Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Gloria Chow. She's a former TV producer, U.S. diplomat, and founder of Gloria Chow PR. So guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about public relations. So Gloria, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I've been doing this for a long time, as my listeners know. I started my business about 30 years ago, and uh, PR was a big part of what I did uh, for my marketing clients. Um, but I'd love it if you could today, in this day and age, <laughs> describe what PR actually is. Because I think, it's, I think its role has changed dramatically, and certainly the platforms and the options and all the things we have available. But in a lot of ways, um, I think some things haven't changed. But I'm gonna let, <laughs> instead of putting words in your mouth, I'm going to let you answer that. That's awesome. I mean, I think 2020 has reminded us that a lot of the thinking that we had around getting publicity and building relationships, um, a lot of the models just don't work anymore, right? Obviously, um, as consumers are more and more critical of the content they consume, uh, paid ads just don't work as well anymore. And so it's harder and harder to get that credibility just by blasting your marketing or ads. So how do you do that? And that's really still uh, through earned press, right? Getting a, an accredited journalist to write about you whereby you are put in the position of an expert um, because, you know, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, that comes with so much credibility. So that's really what we're going to be talking about today, how to do that, even when you might not even have a single customer. So let's talk about that since you threw it out there, accredited journalist. I mean, there was a time when, you know, maybe you could list on four hands or five hands, you know, what, what that meant. But now, you know, anybody who's got a blog is a journalist, right? I mean, has that changed the dynamic? You know, I think with technology and the fact that we're all at home and the fact that we don't really have networking events anymore, I think it presents really interesting opportunities for early stage founders to still be able to break that barrier and connect organically with, uh, you know, a, a small time journalist or a local journalist or someone that's online. Because we know that studies have shown that journalists are on Twitter, they're on LinkedIn, they're on Instagram, and your fight for their attention will never be more in your favor because they're not as used to getting all these email, you know, pitch, pitches, you know, through the yeah. social media channel. So use that to your advantage for sure. All right. So I am a small time journalist, but I still get 10 pitches a day. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that somebody say at the New York Times gets 275 uh, a day. So, you know, how, how, I mean, how do you effectively break through the clutter? I mean, there's just some, I ignore half the pitches I get just because I don't have time. So how do you how do you how do you get on somebody's radar and break through? Yeah, I mean, I think there's different ways to succeed. I think it's really important to look at the media landscape as really vast, right? So if you think of a pyramid, the top of the pyramid is your top tier, which is a place like New York Times or Fast Company, and they can reach tens of millions. Now, in order to break through that, you need to make sure that your pitch is relevant to tens of millions. And a lot of times, your product-based pitch just is not there. What does that mean? It means that you can still win at the medium tier and the industry outlets, people who understand your product jargon, people who understand your use cases. So I always say you need to tailor your message your pitch to a fast company is not going to be the same as an industry blog and understanding how to adapt your messaging is going to be what keeps you being invited back to the table. And I have a formula for pitching, which I will share as well, um, which is a framework that I got from thousands of cold calls and emails. Because remember, I never came into PR working in an agency. I'd never studied journalism. So I had zero contacts when I started. And I basically hacked my way to getting on journalist attention. I would love for you to actually Give me your feedback about this framework that I that I came up with, basically, which now I teach at various uh, uh, tech accelerators and to founders. 
Well, I'd love to hear about it. Um, the, the the next question I was going to ask you, though, is, uh, and and we can talk about the framework, but the next question I was going to ask you was really had to do around, you know, how do you sort through and sift through and yourself as not not as somebody who trying to break through, but but as somebody trying to build relationships with with some relevant uh, editors online, because I I do know that um, you know people I have relationships with, I will listen to their pitches. I you know I will uh, you know I know they're credible. I know I can trust them. So you know how do you how do you start developing some of those relationships? Well, I I really have three steps to getting press. The first one is you need to have a media list, right? You need to have right. an organized way where you're doing research about the journalists, you know who's covering your topic and you know how to contact them. So this is not hidden information. I mean, you can find it. Um, there are obviously ways to make this search faster. You can sign up for a Google News Alert so you know what kind of stories are being had and you can mm-hmm. start to populate your mind with all the different headlines that are interesting, you know, in that, that are being written about. Because a lot of times founders get stuck. They're so focused about selling their product and why their product is great from a consumer point of view. They don't understand that that's really irrelevant to a journalist. So how to pivot your product brochure um, into a newsworthy story, that's really an art and that's really something that founders need to master. And the founders that always you know, get this earlier on, like they always win, you know? Yeah. So that's number one is make a media list. Can, can you give me an example of, of how you, maybe some of you've worked with, how you would take, because I agree with you. I mean, the, you know, the founders in love with their product, look what it does, look at all the great things. Um, and as you said, Nobody cares until that, you know, addresses maybe something that's a relevant problem that somebody's trying to solve, for example. So do you have an example that you could maybe kind of flip a, okay, here's a you know typical pitch that would be a product. And here's how you might think about um, a different angle. Yes, 100%. So I worked with an early stage founder. She has a video interviewing app. So think of it just like a video app, right? Um, she's not launched. She's not funded. She doesn't have a single customer. But the pitch that we wrote for her was that uh, during COVID, the only way that anyone is being hired is by virtual job interviews, right? There's no right. more coffee shop meetings. So mm-hmm. this creates an uneven playing field for older job seekers and younger job seekers who are more comfortable with video. So in the pitch, we offer three ways to stand out in a flood of virtual applicants, even if you're not used to being on video. So that was what got her onto Fast Company. And and now she has this, you know speaking spots lined up, but she still doesn't have a single customer yet. So. <laughs> All right. So um, back in the day, you know, the press release was kind of the workhorse tool, you know, of the of the PR uh, agency. So, you know, is that still a valid tool or is it really all about kind of personal pitches? You know, I think that you need to be strategic with your press releases, especially if you're an early stage founder. They're not cheap. Right. But they can really help you. for example, obtain an exclusive from a journalist that still works. So if you ha- if you have like an actual concrete announcement that's mm-hmm. date specific, then I say it's worth it to announce using a press release and trying to see if a you can secure an exclusive where whereby you ask a journalist, hey, I'm going live with this announcement on the news wires in two weeks. Do you want a sneak peek? That's going to be the only leverage that you have. But if you don't have anything that to announce, if you don't have any upcoming partnerships, if you don't have any major news, then I'm not sure that a press release is really going to be worth it. From an SEO point of view, it definitely does help, right? Because obviously Mm -hmm. a press release is optimized. It's always going to be in the news section. Um, But I think as an early stage founder, you really want to see if you can couple your announcements. Maybe that's announcing a new board member with a a fundraise or, um, you know, a charitable initiative with uh, something else. So if you can try to couple your announcements and kind of get it into 
one big press release, I think that's going to really get, go the extra mile for you. Yeah, I do think press releases have uh, have almost become an SEO tool in a lot of ways and not necessarily a way to uh, acquire uh, media coverage. So let's move to the pitch then. What's, what's the secret to writing a, a great pitch? So the one that I came up with, because I've never had training in this, is that I noticed that from the thousands of times I've emailed and a lot of times cold called newsrooms, is that when my pitch had these three things, it usually got responded to. Okay, are you with me? So it's called my CPR pitching method. C stands for credibility. So you need to say in one sentence why you're in a position to talk about it. It could be as simple as I am a former recruiter or I am an HR thought leader or I am a founder. And then you need to include the P, which is your unique point of view on how the industry is changing, because we as humans, we love to know what's happening, uh, you know, in the, on the horizon. The great thing about predictions is that you're never legally responsible for it because no one can, can see the future. So use that to your advantage. Right. And then the last part, R stands for relevance. And this is where founders get stuck because they have the credibility and they have a point of view, but they don't know why it's really topical to what's happening right now. And so that's why it's really important to have the Google News Alerts and be a good consumer of the news so that you understand what are what you know what are the bigger topics that are having that are being had that are adjacent to your industry. So that's my CPR method. And obviously, if you are, for example, if you are a tax uh, accountant or if you are in fintech, there's a lot of seasonal and regulatory angles around you know uh, new tax policies or SBA loans. Those are all going to make your your pitch super juicy because it's relevant to every single person, right? If there's a new like legislation change, I'm going to want to know about it. So, so if I decided, hey, I really want to invest in in generating more PR, um, is that something that you would say, yeah, go for it, you know, you can do it? Or is that something that you would say, you know, hire a professional or hire somebody that at least can do it on your your behalf? I honestly think that before I got into PR, I thought that PR could only be done with an agency where you pay 10 grand a month and it was a luxury item. And now that I've hacked my own PR and I teach founders my methods, I realized it's not rocket science. And if you have a winning equation for success, that's going to give you the confidence to do the outreach necessary. I think it really comes down to founders just a, they don't know where to start and they're afraid of getting rejected because they're offering up their product to a journalist and it doesn't feel good to be rejected. Right. But if you can get past those two things and implement some strategies, it doesn't have to be my CPR method. It could be something else. Then you're going to be able to have a system where you can get sharper and better every time you pitch, even a, even a no, is like a full sentence, right? Because then you can start to adapt it. Or make, maybe a journalist says, you know, this is not really interesting. However, do you have anything on this? That's going to give you information and feedback, and that's power. So the earlier you start, the better. Yeah, and I unfortunately, I've seen some $10,000 a month agencies that do little more than sort of automated outreach, you know, from a list. I mean, I, I get pitches all the time. I guarantee you they're paying those folks a lot of money. Uh, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to get one in, you know, 10000 and it's... Uh, um, certainly not very personal approach. Yeah. 10,000 is a standard for New York city. And a lot of people come to me actually uh, after they've worked with an agency and mm-hmm. they realize like, a, there's no guarantees period. Like no, no agency or ad agency is going to give you guarantee results. So my whole ethos is if there's no guarantee, why not learn how to do it on your own? Mm-hmm. Right. Why not control your own story? And now let's hear a little bit about one of our sponsors. SimRush. This is an SEO tool that we use every single day. 
I love that it's more like a suite of tools because we can find competitive analysis. We can find everything about how to get and acquire more backlinks. There's this keyword magic tool that helps in our keyword research, all kinds of link building, rank tracking, everything you really need, including the ability to fix technical issues. And I love the reports that it produces because we use those with most of our clients. Check it out. It's SimRush, S-E-M-Rush.com. All right, now back to the interview. So um, is there a good time, bad time, good day? You know, that people always talk about that, like, what's the best day to send out your email? Um, is there a good, you know, is there a best day or time to, uh, uh, that you found that you're going to have somebody maybe uh, be more receptive? You know, this is, this is definitely like the age old question, right? Because even with email campaigns, but I will say generally don't want to send on a Friday or yeah. a Monday when they're kind of catching up. And you usually want to send it in the time when they're at their desk, which is like from nine to uh, noon, because in the afternoons, a lot of these reporters are on assignment. And obviously with COVID, it's different, but in the afternoons, they're kind of on location. So in turn, that's just the most basic one, right? I would also recommend that you have a really compelling subject line because you're only as good as your subject line, right? If you don't have a good subject line, it will not get open, which is why you should also install an email tracker because that way you know that it's not that the pitch is bad. It's just that it's not actually open and that's going to give you the confidence to reach out again. A lot of times it's just that you have to take more than one time to email someone because they literally have not read your email, right? I also recommend you do not attach any slide decks, company bio, the, unpub the unpublished version of your autobiography, nothing like that because that's going to trigger their spam filter. And it takes a lot of art and experience to write everything you want to write into two paragraphs. But I usually say a shorter pitch is better. A listicles are great. Three ways to do X, three ways to do Y. Four, th four things, this is changing, you know? So if you can do it in bullet points, it's going to make it so much easier on the journalist to get through that email. Yeah, because I, I mean, like most people, if they're busy and, and going through a lot of those, uh, it needs to be something they consume, almost can consume visually, you know, not even have to really read. So give me a couple examples. Are, are there certain tips for headlines? I mean, do they need to be very curious? Do they, or subject lines, I should say, do they need to be very curious or, or very compelling or, you know, really, you know, benefits, you know, all over the place? I mean, what, what have you found is the best, what, what gets opened? I think from I, I think everything you said is right. You yeah. don't want it to be clickbaity because journalists get more emails than anyone. So if you write something like, "Can I ask you a favor?" or like, yeah. uh, "Just wondering," they're going to be turned off. So don't do that. Yeah. Also, don't put your name and your company and pitch because they know it's a pitch. So if you don't know them and you're not on a personal relationship with them, they're not going to care what your name is. I will say that the email subject line should be an encapsulation of the value that you're giving in the email. So for example, my client is a career coach and he launched a platform to help people find jobs during COVID, right? And so the pitch that we wrote was about kind of the best ways, um, you know, you can translate your like recent college degree in this forced environment. So the headline is going to be something similar to that, right? So it's going to be like how the class of 2020 can leverage their um, their high school diploma to, to get a job in this climate. So it, it should be literal, it should be short, and it should be value-driven about the, the advice that you're going to offer to the audiences in the email. So I've always contended that the way to get more press is to get some press, uh, because it seems it does have a multiplying effect. Um, after you get that great story, what are some ways to, to really take advantage of it? 
You know, that is actually one of the slides in my PR masterclass that I have for free for anyone that wants to download it. Um, I have a slide that literally says, people say success begets success. I say press gets you more press, right? Yeah. You just need that one yes. And you just confirmed it because you are a journalist. So I'm so glad that you're, you're right there with me. Um, there are so many ways that you can keep writing on the coattails, if you will, of this one press. Obviously, you want to put it as social proof on your website. Um, that is why... People don't care if you have one little quote in the New York Times, they'll pay a PR agency like 30 grand just to get a quote, but they're still in the New York Times, right? So use that to your advantage. And then also when you're pitching to the same outlet, you can put that in the email that you've already been vetted, right? Because journalists will know that you're not a crazy person and that you've already been vetted by a journalist and that you're like a qualified speaker. So those are two immediate ways. Obviously, social media, that's a third way. So like, you know, blast it on LinkedIn or talk about like how you shared insights and really position yourself as a thought leader um, on social media channel, whether it's repurposing it as a blog and obviously having a press section on your website is so huge. I don't care if you have one, one press, just having that says to the world, we love press and they love us. Mm -hmm. So I definitely recommend that. Do you have any parameters for, you know, uh, uh, and again, this, as you've talked about, you use the word hacking, you know, which sort of implies, hey, you can just do this when you've got a couple hours, you know, one week or something. But is, is there a rule of thumb for maybe applying a budget to uh, to PR as a, you know, even as a small business? You know, I think it depends on what industry you're in. I think there are some industries where marketing and ad dollars can go a lot further. For example, if you are like a consumer, direct to consumer product, it still might make sense to do kind of the advertising marketing. But if you're more business to business, if you are really revolutionizing an industry, and if you are really the first to do something, I think press is so huge because you can really claim that space, right? Because you don't have that. It's kind of a blue ocean. So I always try to say, think about ways you can reallocate your marketing dollars into press because that is going to keep the wheels turning. Whereas marketing, once you stop that faucet, it's just going to dry out. Press is the only sustainable and free way to keep getting traction and credibility. But it's arguably going to be harder to get there. But once you do, you're going to be able to keep riding on that success, like you said, because press begets more press. Yeah. So do you have some favorite tools for, you know, finding journalists, for outreach? Are there, you know, I, I've, I've seen a number of people trying to create these sort of automated <laughs> systems for for influencer outreach, I think a lot of them uh, kind of bundle press into that a little bit. Do you have some tools that you like to use and recommend? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely set up a Google News Alerts today so you know what types of stories. You can download a free media template on my website, GloriaChowPR.com, so you can start to populate that with, you know, with an Excel system. And then you, know, you can sign up for a thing called HARO, which is called Help a Reporter Out which basically it can get a little spammy, but I've had clients get on Fast Company using it. So basically you sign up to be a source and you get hundreds of inquiries from reporters looking for all sorts of commentary. And if you happen to see one that you fit the profile, you really want to email them back within 30 minutes, right? And I have a video on my website on how you can hack it. Um, you can also pay for like a rocket reach, like a hunter to find the email addresses of journalists. Now it's again, it's not secret information, right? I mean, yeah. the members of the press, but it's just going to help you like conserve your time. I also think it's really important not to just find emails of like an editor in chief of fast company or Forbes, because they're not going to write your story. They're doing their own speaking engagements. So a lot of times like do not, do not just email info at abc.com, like find the staff writer who actually yeah. covers your beat that's going to get read a thousand times more than, you know, emailing like a generic person or an editor. 
Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, because all this stuff's online now, you you can not only find them, but you can find their LinkedIn profile, and you can find what they like to eat for lunch. And I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of ways that you can find entries in if you just do a little research. Exactly. It just it takes a lot. It, you know, it takes work in the beginning, yeah. but it it could save you tens of thousands of dollars later on, right? Yeah. So for me, I think it's worth it. But you just got to get over that resistance of a not knowing how the outcome is going to come and exactly how long that's going to take. And B, you have to get over your fear of rejection. And if you can do that, you're going to just win in the long run. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. Just note to any entrepreneurs out there, you're going to have to be able to be okay with rejection, no matter what you're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Gloria, you've mentioned it a time or two, but uh, give us a, a shout out for um, where people can find out more about you and, and uh, a couple of the resources you mentioned. Yeah, so I'm all about giving away value first to see if you can do it on your own before you need to engage someone, right? Because that's how I started. I did it on my own. And so I have tons of free tools. If you go onto my website, GloriaChowPR.com, it's C-H-O-U, GloriaChowPR.com, you can watch the on-demand masterclass, which I've got it down to 30 minutes now, but I swear it's like a six-hour masterclass that I give for free. <laughs> and you're going to want to take tons of notes because people leave with five pages of notes. And I just made a beautiful seven-page PDF that walks you through exactly the step-by-step methods with all the do's and don'ts I told you, all in one PDF. So you can download both those things for free on my website. So I really encourage you to do that before you consult like a $10,000 agency. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to stop by uh, the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you someday when people get back out there on the road. I hope so, too. Thank you so much, John.